And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast episode number 85 and it is officially Wrestlemania week and unlike last year because last year all honesty was kind of a mistake doing the whole Wrestlemania weekend spectacular because honestly there's a lot of things that go on in the sport of professional wrestling to get to especially over the course of the week so we're going to do something a little bit different this year. It's going to be one podcast hitting on a lot of different subjects. Mainly NXT Stand and Deliver, WrestleMania itself, and a little bit on WrestleMania weekend, some shows and some notes that you need to keep tabs on. But we'll start off this podcast with the biggest headline of the week. He's got dropped on our doorstep on Friday afternoon, or Friday morning, I should say. The full thing got released Friday night with Triple H announcing his official retirement in an interview with Stephen A. Smith, which, by the way, was an amazing tactic to decide to put it behind a paywall on ESPN Plus and later release the full video on YouTube. I want to be able to kind of catch that and watch it. And he mentioned in the interview that he had a viral pneumonia and his lungs were inflamed and started coughing up blood. And I won't transcribe the entire interview. You can check it out on YouTube right now. Just search Triple H Stephen A. Smith. And the basics are he almost died due to a genetic heart issue that he wasn't necessarily aware of. and wasn't aware that it could have happened to him. Thanks in large part to the WWE's wellness program and credits the cardiologist for basically keeping him up to date and doing tests on him quite frequently. So was not aware of that and said he'll never wrestle again and currently has a defibrillator inside of him. So I think that's a big reason why you will never see him inside a squared circle again. Wish him the best as he recovers. And hopefully, you know, he's able to kind of find peace and more importantly, not be in any, you know, physical or emotional distress, because that's something I think was definitely a big focal point of the conversation on the podcast, on this show, excuse me, I'm not on, my podcast, but on the Stephen A's World Show on ESPN Plus, because it hit on a lot about how he was concerned about his kids and all that. It was just, I think, any parent, no parent wants to kind of like be in that situation and almost die like that. And seeing him get all choked up, emotional, it's, it was a lot to take in. And it's also wild because you just look at you know last matches for superstars in different promotions to see how their career ended and for one reason or another. And the fact that this is Triple H's last match, it's wild because it's in the middle of the card in a tag team match in Japan against Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe, his tag team partner with Shinsuke Nakamura back in 2019. The match he had before that, the last televised match he had was against Randy Orton at Super Showdown in Saudi. So that's how long it's been since he last wrestled, and that's going to be the last match that is in his career. But here's the thing with Triple H for me. It's a two sides of the coin. And we're going to start with the good side because we need to kind of get into that. Because I think, honestly, as we're remembering his career, we got to start with the good And then we'll get to the bad. And I think there's a lot more bad when it comes right down to it. If we're being completely honest with each other right now. 
The good side is he had a tremendous career in the WWE, and it wasn't all because of his relationship with the boss and his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, Levesque. His mind for the business is probably only going to be matched by a couple of guys in this industry. And you look at what he did turning NXT into what it was. It gave you probably more faith that the WWE's future was going to be in better hands with Triple H once Vince McMahon does indeed walk away from the proverbial poker table and maybe move on into his next phase and retiring full-time. Vince McMahon had his guy ready to go in Triple H. Now, if that's still true or not, is anybody's guess. Could it be Nick Khan? Could the company be sold in the next couple of years? That's something that we're going to continue to probably be talking about for the next couple because of all the speculation that's been running rampant. But for a while, NXT was that breath of fresh air that wrestling in general needed. NXT, he took it to another stratosphere with the takeovers and adding in all these big name indie guys, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong. The list goes on and on and on. Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Again, they have tons of guys that they've helped build. The women's division, the people who are at the top of that were built in NXT. I think the biggest thing that helped them was the fact that whenever NXT was just a network show, it was all about building towards long-term storytelling, and more importantly, going back to the basics. Because sometimes I think WWE storytelling, it's a little bit more convoluted long-term, while you saw longer-term storytelling, character-driven angles, wrestling was solid all the way around. It was a breath of fresh air, because if you weren't, watching Monday Night Raw or SmackDown on a regular basis, and I think a lot of people at a certain point tuned in and out of either of those shows, NXT was the place to be because it gave you an alternative. Because unless you were one of those diehard internet marks that's watching New Japan, Ring of Honor, any other indie promotion, you were probably burnt out on sports entertainment, and just pro wrestling in general. But then we flip over to the other side of the coin. And to me, he hit on probably two of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. As a fan that maybe turned me off of wrestling almost entirely. The Katie Vick angle and his feud with CM Punk. In both those cases, I mean, you can also bring up Booker T as kind of a third third place of like the worst crimes he's ever committed in wrestling, not literal crimes, because I think the sledgehammer itself can be attempted murder on several different accounts in the sense of being outside of kayfabe. But looking at Katie Vick, he absolutely ruined Kane and had probably single-handedly the worst segment that people hated more than anything. And it turned a lot of people off, not just temporarily, but forever. And if not for companies like TNA and a little note, local promotion here in Acadian and all access wrestling, I probably would have checked out of wrestling too. Then we go to CM Punk about a decade later in that feud after the summer of punk, when he was white hot and you basically feed him to 
Triple H for next to no reason because he's not a full-time wrestler. It kind of was denigrated to a certain point. And it stuck. It absolutely stuck. Then we go to the other side of the conversation. We keep going with this. Because we bring in Booker T. Booker T is probably another example where we're kind of questioning everything. If you were a fan of guys who were WCW homegrown or WW or like indie guys, Triple H held them down a lot in those storylines. Now, obviously, there's just difference between storyline and actual the in-ring stuff. It's a different conversation, but it still stood out to me and probably a lot of other wrestling fans across the country and across the world. And we saw the wrestling fan base die out not long after the Katie Vick incident, and then Triple H, the Mania 19 match, him hitting the pedigree, then taking like five minutes. Taking about five minutes to actually cover Booker T and he gets the win. All that stuff adds up and probably turned off a lot of people from wrestling. So while he helped build the next generation, he did it almost like 10 years too late. Why didn't it makes me wonder what would have it been like if we saw Triple H not have as much of a reign of terror and a stranglehold over the world heavyweight title in the early 2000s. And instead we saw more of those WCW guys, not just he who shall not be named, but guys like like Booker T, like Eddie Guerrero. What if we saw more of those guys get a bigger push and Triple H didn't just hold everything hostage from 2002 till 2005? That could have been a lot more interesting of a story being told. And more importantly, you would have been able to create bigger stars. I think that was something that stood out to me. And again, I was watching a lot of SmackDown after the whole Katie Vick thing for a good while because it was better because you saw more of the stuff I like to see. Cruiserweight division, really entertaining matches. Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar really brought the heat up in 2003. So again, on one hand, Triple H hands down a great mind for the business but still had his moments where it hurts his legacy strictly amongst a wrestling fan base. In terms of a WWE legacy, it's untouchable. It's never going to be touched. And honestly, he deserves everything that he's gotten. And I wish him nothing but the best. But I'm kind of glad that he's no longer wrestling. Not just from a health standpoint, but more importantly, he won't be able to hold anybody else down, at least in my mind. All right, welcome back to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, your exclusive pro wrestling podcast for the game. 1037 Lafayette, and now 1041 in Lake Charles. And I said it's going to be a WrestleMania weekend spectacular. It all kind of starts off, interestingly enough, on a Saturday afternoon with a high noon start. The big NXT stand and deliver pay-per-view. And when we talk NXT, of course, we've got to have our guy on, Harry Broadhurst. Harry, first off, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Clint. It's been a while. How are you, sir? 
It's been a while, and so much has changed since the last time we have talked about NXT, namely the fact that it's no longer the NXT that I think we all knew and loved. It's changed a lot since September, becoming more NXT 2.0 and becoming very much a developmental brand. So first things first, what have your, been, been your overall thoughts? We're about, I'd say, four or five months into this NXT 2.0 experience, experiment, the rebrand, and we've seen a lot of stars kind of break through. But what are your thoughts on what you've seen from not quite the black and yellow brand, more the paintball brand? I'll go ahead and put it that way because it just like <laughs> their logo immediately reminds me of back in the day. There used to be a paintball place here in the Acadian area, and it just reminds it's called Splats, I believe it was. And it reminds me so much of that NXT 2.0 logo. It's NXT Rainbow Edition, is what it is. <laughs> Um, honestly, I'm, I'm okay with the rebrand. I get the idea. I'm, uh, as a, as an independent wrestling fan, uh, I, I appreciate a lot of the talent that had come and gone through NXT as we knew it under Triple H and a speedy recovery to the game. Oh, it's, but, uh, it, yeah, I was just going to say, but, uh, as far as the new NXT goes, yeah, uh, I think the current crop of talent that's been starting to make their way up has actually got a lot of potential within it. And several of those people that have a ton of potential we have on this exact card here on uh, WrestleMania Saturday. You mentioned a high noon start for you. It's a 1 p.m. start for me here on the East Coast, which is a little weird. No, it's especially weird. More just the fact that we've got NXT kind of being the pre-show for the pre-show for WrestleMania night one. That's a two night event after last year where NXT stand and deliver was an entire two night event. And now it's actually going to be the first show since COVID-19. They're going to be out and about in front of a live studio, live stadium. I should say not a live studio audience like they've been in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these newer stars like a Tony D'Angelo or a broad breaker guys who maybe have never been under that bright of lights perform. Yeah. Uh, American airlines arena being adjusted for a capacity of about 6,500 from what I heard American airlines, of course, the home of the Dallas Mavericks. So the only one of those people that you mentioned, like the new generation of NXT, Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller to an, to an, to an, uh, Grayson Waller to an extent, uh, they've not performed in front of a raw studio, a raw audience, or a SmackDown audience. The only one that actually has is uh, Braun Breaker, and he only had that one tag match on Raw. So none of those guys have really been exposed to your mainstream audience. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with both them, as well as to how some of the the bigger names of the new NXT also translate in front of a full size audience. Guys like Gunther, which don't get me started on that, and LA Knight. No, let's, let's get started on to that because I think that's definitely uh, one of the more controversial things NXT 2.0 has gone ahead and done. I think that's even more controversial than what they're doing to Pete Dunn on Butch. Uh, Pete Dunn on the main roster calling him Butch now. And you got Walter, which was nothing was wrong with the name Walter. But all of a sudden, you go ahead and name him Gunther for absolutely zero reason. And it still stings for a lot of people. All right, so it wasn't for no reason. The reason they did it is they wanted to put the WWE branding on it. At least they abandoned the trademark for the Nazi yes. boat captain. Yes, exactly. That was that was the initial thing that popped up like right after. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we going to go ahead and 
formally announce this guy as a, as you said, trademarking the name of a Nazi boat captain. Then again, this is the same company that about, let's say, almost six, seven years ago had a <laughs> six, had a three women tag team or stable called Submission Sorority. When a simple <laughs> Google search could solve all your issues and people would know, hey, that may not be the most PG thing in the world. Yeah, let's go ahead and put a viewer discretion advised on Google searching that. Yes, exactly. I think everybody might already know what I'm talking <laughs> about there. But, you know, it's been interesting to see how NXT 2.0 has just completely changed where it's, for a lot of people, it's been a turnoff. But, you know, I've still watched a little bit here and there. But after NXT War Games, is no longer TakeOver, so it just doesn't have... That it feels very much, See, you I, said it best, WWE, the, the sheen of NXT now is just a lot brighter and not as much the gritty and grimy stuff we saw in the early days of the black and gold NXT. See, I think it actually helps that they're not branding these as takeovers, though, because that lowers expectation. Okay, I can understand. I can get behind that. Because, I mean, those NXT takeovers, especially going back, to their first trip to Dallas all the way back in 2016, WrestleMania 32 weekend, you obviously had the iconic match of Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, and that entire card from top to bottom may have been one of the best they ever did outside of the NXT TakeOver New Orleans, but that bar is set extremely high, so maybe now it, this is that official kind of, hey, it's a new era, we're no longer taking over, we're here. And not to mention... um. Similar to an extent to how things used to be back when Florida Championship Wrestling, FCW, was the developmental. This is an opportunity to have the main roster members come down and intersparse with these NXT talents as they're on the rise, while at the same time taking a young, a young hungry kid like a Carmelo Hayes and showing that this kid is the future. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly there that he is absolutely going to be one of those. All these guys that they have. It's like, yes, it's still very much, you know, it feels a lot more double-A ball versus triple-A whenever you had guys like Shinsuke, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Finn Balor. The list goes on and on and on of all the guys they've had over the years to where it feels a lot different. It's got a different feel to it. You don't have Johnny Gargano there anymore. Maybe it's Tommaso Ciampa's last ride. In NXT, who knows how some of these guys are going to kind of fit like a Cameron Grimes, Roderick Strong. It feels like the new blood is starting to not not infect, but really kind of change the whole uh, nucleus of what NXT was. And we're seeing some cool things come along down the pipe. But we'll go ahead and start off looking at the NXT TakeOver card starting off with the fatal five-way ladder match. Now, at the time of this recording, this is going to be on, we're taping this on Sunday, full disclosure, so we don't know who the final combatant is. We'll start there, though. Who do you think is going to be the final entrant in that triple threat match on Tuesday? Who's going to come out of that and head into Saturday? Going to be Cameron Grimes, A-Kid, or Roger Strong? Uh, conventional wisdom would say somebody that can enter the match is almost a veteran presence. I wouldn't be surprised to see a kid pull an upset here because they seem to be really high on him coming over from Spain and NXT UK. But if I had to put money on this, if I were a betting man, I would put my money on Cameron Grimes. Oh, I'd put all my money on that 
for sure. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact of how he was presented towards the end of NXT 2.0 this past Tuesday, talking about his father passing away and not being able to live up to his promise of winning a championship in the WWE. He hasn't done it yet. Mind you, he did win the million dollar championship, but that doesn't necessarily count in terms of an actual world championship. And the NXT North American title may be that next step for him. So it makes sense. That's why I'm kind of at the smart money is to get Cameron Grimes. Maybe we see a kid Roderick Strong as a kickoff match, and that would be a banger. Oh, absolutely. I could definitely see uh, Roderick Strong being kind of phased down, though, even though he's still involved with Diamond Mine, and Diamond Mine seems to be getting a lot of representation currently. The Creed Brothers we'll talk about a little bit later on in the tag team title triple threat, and Ivy Nile seems to be getting quite the following in the NXT women's division as well. The former uh, Emily Andrusis, I believe is how the last name is pronounced, who was a part of the Rock's Titan Games. Oh, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. And she's definitely making ways, but I think obviously the women's division, we'll get to that in a little bit, because that wound up having an interesting little little plot twist there we'll talk about in a moment. But I think a lot of the attention has been on one Nikita Lions amongst a certain, <laughs> oh, I'd say, chunk of the NXT fan base. Uh, yeah, Nikita went viral for the exact reasons you'd think a NXT female wrestler would go viral for. Exactly. I mean, a lot like, you know, a former NXT member in Tony Storms, similar to those kind of viral things. Let's go ahead and just leave it at that. But we look at the Fatal Five-Way ladder match. To me, I think Cameron Grimes has a very strong case to win. But at the same time, you've got somebody like Carmelo Hayes, who's going to obviously have his partner with him, have his buddy alongside him in that match. That could play a huge role I would not be surprised that the A champ continues to be the A champ. I don't think the A champ continues to be the A champ, and there's a reason for it. I think it's time to move Carmelo up to the main event, to the actual NXT Heavyweight Championship, because the kid is ready. And I can call him a kid because I'm like a decade older than Carmelo Hayes, and that's scary to think about. Yeah, don't remind me a lot of these guys. They're very, very young, and it's like, okay, I, I feel old. Like, I'm 32. <laughs> almost 33 and I see guys like like Pete Dunn, for instance, I believe he's what 24, 25 years old. Look what he's already done with his career. It's amazing to see some of these guys move on up in the world, but that's going to be a, that's going to be a very entertaining fatal five way ladder match. Do you think that opens up the main card or does that wind up being something more as like middle of the card type feel? I feel like it has to open the show. And the reason I say that is because that way you can have something as kind of a come down match off of it in order to build the crowd, build the crowd back up. Because if you try to have that go on before like the main event or anything, then you're going to put uh brawn at a disadvantage by burning out the crowd from the series of craziness that this ladder match is going to inflict upon everybody. I do think that Grimes wins the ladder match. Although my dark horse pick in this match, don't be surprised to see them do something with Santos Escobar. Ooh, that'd be a lot of fun to see Santos Escobar get another championship, have a probably decent-sized reign. But I would be su- I wouldn't be surprised if Carmelo does get into the main event picture, depending how everything goes on that. And and this should absolutely be the opener. Again, this may be the teenage mark in me, but constantly I'd see Ultimate X matches open up cards or an X division match open up mm-hmm. a show. Those are always the perfect way to start off a show, get people hot, get people interested, having a ladder match be car crash television. 
I think this is the perfect way to start off a card. And you say that uh, Impact Wrestling has their Multiverse of Matches special on, I think, Friday night. And yeah, we're going to get to there, that. There's an Ultimate X match on that card. And that that's those are always... The Women's Ultimate X match they had back in January, that was a pleasant surprise, to say the very least. But let's get back to WWE and NXT stand and deliver. The second match I think we got to talk about is Tommaso Ciampa versus... Probably one of my favorite guys out of this new crop of superstars in NXT 2.0, more on a character basis because Grayson Waller entertaining can work really well. Solo Siaka or Solo Sokoa, he is absolutely just a beast. And I think in the next couple of years, he could be kind of that fourth guy in the bloodline, depending on how long that storyline goes on. A lot of other absolutely. ones. Absolutely. We talk about a kid, but I think Tony D'Angelo just simply from him being almost like the new FBI. I love this guy, Tommaso Ciampa, Tony D'Angelo. This should be a really fun one. And if you think about it, this is actually a very intelligent story, given the fact that Ciampa's kind of like the grandfather of NXT right now. Yep. He's he's like uh, he's like El Capo, as it were. He he's the godfather, honestly. And Tony D'Angelo wants to be the new Dawn, wants to be the new boss of NXT. And what better way to step up to that role than by going after Al Capo himself? Exactly. I, I, I like how you put that. It feels like there is a lot of mob ties revolving around this story. But uh, you brought up the grandfather of NXT. I think he's also kind of that that gatekeeper, if you will, to Boston mm-hmm. Champion. He's always that guy that's going to be able to, once you beat him or have a really good match with him, eventually better things come your way absolutely it's a lot like what you saw i'd say a ty dillinger or even adam rose when he was in nxt back in the day where he was he put on a really good match have a lot of fun but once you beat him you move on and you move up in the world so it'd be a lot of fun to see how that pans out how do you see it going because again i talked about earlier this feels like another step towards passing the torch moving things forward and Tony D'Angelo could very well pull off a big upset, and maybe maybe Tommaso Ciampa actually leaves the NXT roster. I'm going to go the alternate route. I'm going to say that Ciampa wins the match, but D'Angelo leaves him laying after to write Ciampa out of NXT, similar to what happened with Gargano when Grayson Waller laid Gargano out as Gargano's contract was expiring. I like that a lot. Now we're going to get to the NXT Women's Championship match, which as of right now, things could very well change this Tuesday, but it is a fatal four-way with Eos Ryan, Kaylee Ray opting out of a NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match and deciding to join Cora Jade in the effort to dethrone Mandy Rose, Toxic Attraction's big leader. And I think one of the bigger selling points in this has to be Who's going to come out on top? It's it's every woman for herself. And the odds are stacked against Mandy Rose. Obviously, her group, Toxic Attraction, could play a role in this. Since it's Fatal 4-Way, no disqualifications. But in my mind, I think the time is to kind of strap the rocket to Cora Jade and send her to the moon because she has absolutely been built into this position going back to NXT War Games. And she got the big pin despite the injury. This is that moment where you can really build a future top star in the women's division. And if she's a transitional champion, so be it. But I think Cora J deserves that moment on a big stage in Dallas. 
Unfortunately, I disagree. And the reason I say I, I, I disagree is because I think they've already set up Mandy's next opponent for the women's title in Raquel Gonzalez by having Toxic Attraction go after Raquel's knee during the semifinal of the Women's Dusty Cup. So I think uh, I think Mandy retains in the four-way and then ends up facing Raquel at the next NXT special pay-per-view attraction, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I do think that Cora Jade has a very bright future. Let's not forget that this girl is only yeah. 20 years old. Yep, uh, it's it's amazing to see what she's been able to do in such a short time it, on the NXT roster. But it's if gonna, I had, go oh, sorry about that. If I had to pick somebody other than Mandy, if I had to pick one of the challengers to win the match, I'd actually put the belt on Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray would be an interesting choice. Obviously, former NXT UK Women's Champion held that hashtag. for. Good, sorry. Just just about to say hashtag forever champ. Exactly, forever champion. She was there. She was champion forever, almost as long as Walter was a champion. Excuse me, Gunther was an NXT UK champion. I, I'd be intrigued to see if Mandy Rose does come out on top in that story, in that fatal four way, though. He's still Volter to us. That chop was your Volter this past Tuesday. Good God. I was I, just the multiple ones. It was immediately getting red the second he that hand hit his chest. And we'll get to Gunther right now. LA Knight taking on Gunther in what feels like could be a come down match from the Fatal Four Way women's title match. This is going to be entertaining with the former Eli Drake. Take it on Walter, Gunther, whatever you want to call him. This is probably going to be the hard-hitting match of the night. Do I think I will enjoy this match? Dummy! Yeah, yeah. Survey do says. <laughs> do I think Eli, or excuse me, do I think LA Knight has a chance in this match? No. None. Zero. Um, first of all, uh, props to Duke Hudson. I have never seen a standing ovation off of a chop. That boy got lit up this past Tuesday. But um for LA Knight, I, I, I see where Gunther is coming from about LA Knight talking himself into these big spots and then under delivering. Whereas the fact that they got Gunther to move to the United States to be a part of NXT 2.0 tells me that there are really, really big plans for him in NXT 2.0. Part of which I wouldn't be surprised if if it's not Carmelo Hayes taking the belt off of main event winner, <clears throat> it might be Gunther. I think he would be a guy I, I would have to have in that main event slot sooner Absolutely. rather than later, regardless of who comes out on top in the main event, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. And let's keep it in the family with Imperium defending the NXT Tag Team Championships against MSK. And I think one of the more interesting tag teams in WWE, the Creed Brothers. Because it was a group that I just felt like was going to be Malcolm Bivens's fall guys, where they were just going to lose a lot. They were going to be treated very much like jabronis. But nope, they've been able to turn my opinion of them around and actually really perform at a really high clip and, more importantly, win the Dusty Cup in their first year. So here's the issue that I see with the Creed Brothers. Uh, one of them is definitely going to be a single star. So my concern is going to be how long will they keep them together as a tag team? Because uh, Julius, 
the younger of the two Cree brothers has single star written all over him. The dude can talk. He's very fluid in the ring. He's still improving his in-ring game, but it's getting better and better every single match. And while I like Brutus as well, Brutus is more of a brute, uh, consider the name, whereas Julius is more fluid inside of the ring and has almost, you know who Julius Creed reminds me of? A very, very young Kurt Angle. Okay, I can get get behind that. And that is about as high of a compliment as I can pay to him. I'd agree with you there, man. And, you know, looking at that triple threat tag team match, obviously MSK, former NXT tag team champions, taking on Imperium, who look like they have a stranglehold on the tag team division. How do you see that one going? I think the Creed brothers win the belts. And the reason I think the Creed brothers win the belts is because they end up using this to push for the the question of who attacked them in the parking lot. Oh, the, the good old parking lot angles. I, I'm surprised in NXT 2.0 <laughs> that has I, continued to be the biggest trope of the last, like let's say, 10 years of NXT being around, which now that I think about it, that's crazy to think about that this version of NXT has been around for around about 10 years. Like, not the game show version, but the one that you saw more as a developmental that kind of grew cool. into something more. Full Sail NXT, as I dubbed it, uh, June of 2012. It's insane to think about how close we are to 10 years after and all the guys that they've built slash ruined. We can all agree. I think there's a there's a case study where you can see guys who were from the FCW era and transitioned into NXT. They fared a lot better than I'd say just the NXT straight up, quote unquote, homegrown talent. And I think a lot of that has to do with possibly sending a message to people as they come up to the main roster. But people get all up in a tizzy about what this guy does, what this guy doesn't do, what this guy does, what this guy doesn't do. I, I think that as, as long as you're happy with what you're doing, that's all that matters. And if you're not happy, then you're going to find a way to leave for greener pastures. But who do you think is going to win in this triple threat tag team match? I think Imperium, you said Creed Brothers are going to win. I'm going more Imperium. And now we get to the main event for the NXT Championship in Dallas. Round about high noon, the start of the card. This will probably be more around, I'd say, 2.30. The big showdown. Ron Breaker, Dolph Ziggler. Probably one of the more, I'd say one of the biggest swerves in NXT. Because it felt like, you know, Dolph Ziggler was just there to give the guy the rub. Obviously, there's a chance this could be a rub for Braun. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if this Dolph Ziggler reign continues for a little bit longer because I think Breaker has proven himself enough to where I think Vince McMahon and the WWE need to realize the money is to have him be on the main roster sooner rather than later. It could be one of those big night after mania true main roster debuts. Can you believe the fact that Braun Breaker, Rex Steiner, Rick's kid, whatever you want to call him. Can you believe the fact that he has less than 20 career matches? It's insane to think how quickly he's just grown and only has 20 matches. But at the same time, what like his immediate impact, the second you saw him on the first episode of the new NXT 2.0, he was called Braun Breaker, dressed as one of the Steiner brothers, and he just immediately popped off the page. That was something I can just say outright. 
he made me more interested on a week-to-week basis seeing how NXT was going to be now versus what it had been for the last several years. Yeah, the big four from the... uh... From the War Games match, have been kind of the four men that are carrying the NXT 2.0 Carlin card: Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, and uh, Grayson Waller. I'd agree with you. I mean, especially when you think about the fact that you see like, Grayson Waller kind of open that. I'm not going to say forbidden door because that's an overused cliche, but also it's not really a forbidden door. But open opening things up to where main roster guys can jump over to NXT guys from Monday Night Raw. Obviously, we saw the mini feud he had with AJ Styles. We're seeing more and more of those guys just perform and come over, and it winds up turning out to be some really fun stuff. Yeah, and I think that that's something that the USA Network would be wise to what would be wise to capitalize on is having both of those shows under the USA Network banner to have more crossover between them, to have more situations where NXT guys pop over to Raw, Raw guys pop over to NXT, just because a you're going to get that crossover appeal. The AJ episodes of NXT 2.0 were the highest rated episodes of the new run of NXT 2.0. And I don't think that that'll come as a surprise to many people, knowing the fact that AJ pulls the number that AJ's does. Uh, the Dolph Ziggler triple threat match was one of the highest ranked episodes of NXT 2.0 as well when Ziggler challenged for the title against Breaker and Ciampa in the triple threat. But I think the most important question is who comes out on top here in my mind? I think we'll see Dolph Ziggler continue his reign. Like we said, either Gunther or maybe Carmelo Hayes not too far down the road could take that championship away from Dolph, and I think it's just more the fact that Ziggler, for the most part, if he loses this, goes back to the main roster, he will do apropos of nothing of note for a while. I'm not trying to try and give him more of an opportunity to be on NXT rather than, oh, wait, just one day randomly move back to the main roster and just be the creative has nothing for you guy. I wouldn't mind Ziggler and Rude moving back down to NXT on a permanent basis as kind of the veteran hands in order to help the company. I think that their presence has been very welcome on NXT TV recently. As far as the match itself goes, I don't like heel versus heel matches for titles. And if you keep the belt on Ziggler, then you're going to have to have him face a heel in Carmelo Hayes or a heel in Gunther in order to drop the belt. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'm saying that uh, Braun Breaker gets the title back and then eventually they build up towards the next special. And my guess is the next NXT special after Stand and Deliver, whenever that'll be, probably May sometime, if, if uh, historically speaking. So maybe May or June, uh, NXT in your house, perhaps. We'll see uh, Braun Breaker and Gunther for the NXT championship. Now, would you still say Gunther is a heel in this instance? Because I think he's started to move towards being a face. I mean, I think LA Knight is absolutely a heel in this whole storyline. And Gunther I, is just, I, 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 this is the way I see it. I disagree completely. I think LA Knight is the baby here. And the reason I say that is uh, Imperium has been hated for months in NXT. And LA Knight is coming off of a few with Grayson Waller, who might be the most hated man in NXT right now because of what he did to Gargano. Counterpoint, I think Dolph Ziggler is probably the most hated guy because he's not the NXT guy and took the title away from somebody like a Braun Breaker. Or as Bianca Belair would say, you don't go here. Exactly. You don't go here and you have that title. But it's going to be a lot of fun this Saturday night 
NXT, excuse me, Saturday afternoon. I'm so used to this being a night show, but of course, agreed. We've got, we got a complete mess of a week in wrestling. We've got WrestleMania Raw tomorrow. Again, this is being taped on a Sunday. Then you've got NXT 2.0, the Go Home Show 4, Stand and Deliver. Then we got AEW Dynamite. We got Impact on Thursday. Friday, we got SmackDown, Rampage. We've got the Hall of Fame. We've got Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, and all the other WrestleMania weekend stuff going on, which I'll talk about in just a few. And then, of course, Stand and Deliver, as I called it, a pre-show or a pre-show of WrestleMania Night 1. But, Harry, it's always a great time to talk to you about NXT, especially as we approach the first real, truly takeover, but we can't call it a takeover. Yeah. It's Stand and this- Deliver. This is going to be the big test for the new NXT, in my opinion, because while TakeOver or while NXT War Games was a very good show, I thought, and while the monthly specials that have been airing on NXT TV, uh, St. Valentine's Massacre, and there was one in uh, the, the one in March. Roadblock. Relate- Roadblock. Thank you. That, that had the triple threat. While both of those shows were really good, they were in front of the NXT crowd at the uh, per- at the uh, performance center. This right here is NXT's first true test in the NXT 2.0 era because this will be NXT's first major show in front of an audience that isn't exclusive to the PC, that isn't exclusive to that Florida area, that has that whole international flavor that the old NXT shows would get on a regular basis for their takeover. So it'll be interesting to see how fans uh, acclimate themselves to the new NXT presented in that larger-than-life version that the original NXT used to be presented in. All right, I just thought about one more question, and I'll let you go after this. Do you think NXT could ever run shows in terms of like running weekly television on the road, or do you think it's just best to keep it in the Petri dish of the Performance Center? I think it makes more sense to keep it in the Performance Center right now, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the people that they are involving on these shows are not road-ready. I can get behind that, Harry. Thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy WrestleMania week. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the shows. All right. Welcome back to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. The game 1037 Live. Get in 1041 Lake Charles' exclusive pro wrestling podcast. And my goodness, it's WrestleMania weekend 2022. And first off, I'll go, I'll go ahead and give credit where credit is due to the people over at VoicesOfWrestling.com for putting together a full schedule and map of everything that's going on this weekend. Because it's WrestleMania weekend, we know stuff can get a little bit crazy, and there's about 50 million shows, so it's kind of hard to pick out matches for you to check out. And just based off a lot of the cards, there are some bangers. And I'll give you one match from each of these shows I'd recommend you go check out. It will start with Thursday night, March 31st, or Thursday morning, I should say, with Glory Pro. Because we're doing a show called Cemetery Gates, which is part of the Collective 2022 bundle on Fight TV. And one match in particular that I'm interested to see how that's going to go is the fatal four-way match with Myron Reed versus Carlos Romo versus Shane Saber versus Danny Jones. 
The only name that I know off top is Myron Reed. I think that's a big reason why I'm so intrigued to find out some newer names to see who stands out the most. Because I know Josh Alexander, War Horse are also on the card. I mean, there's a lot of guys I don't know a whole heck of a lot about, but that's something that I'm intrigued by. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 8, I think, hands down, the match I'm going to be looking forward to, I'm sure a lot of you will be as well, is John Moxley, Biff Music. I really want to see what goes down on that card. Then we go to the AAA show for WrestleCon on Thursday at 5 o'clock. I think you got to go with the Cruiserweight Championship match, Laredo Kid versus Bandito versus Flamita. This is going to be a incredibly insane type of match. Make sure you go check it out if you have the opportunity to check it out, be it through any streaming service that's going to be out there. I think this is this is actually going to be on Fight TV as well. So make sure if you're not out in the Texas area, go check this out on Fight TV. That's definitely a big highlight there. I think Pagano, Drago Kid, and Jack Hartwheel versus Sam Adonis, Gringo Loco, and Puma King. That's going to be a fun six-man tag as well. So about the only thing I don't want to see is Mecha Wolf and Bestia 666 against Aerostar and Drago for the NWA tag team titles. Not necessarily a huge fan of that one. And there's a couple more, but these are more if you're actually out there. These are some indie shows that are going on, including Insane Hardcore Wrestling Extreme Combat. Don't know a whole heck of a lot of guys that are on that card, but it should be interesting to say the least. So if you're out there, Insane Hardcore Wrestling, if you're into that kind of stuff, go check it out. They also have Iconic Heroes Wrestling Excellence Old School Hustle at 7 o'clock right after that. And one name that I know of is Lane Luck. Amaris Blair for the Queen of the Ring Championship should be a really fun one there. Then we go on to MLW Intimidation Games. I think the entire the three matches announced on the card so far are pretty solid, like Alexander Hammerstone versus Richard Holiday. I'll go with the Von Eriks versus 5150. That is going to be a fun match, a six-man tag, if I'm not mistaken, to see those two square off is going to be very entertaining. And if then we also can bring up the MLW World Tag Team title match. Should be fun with Aries and Gino Medina taking on EJ Nduka and Calvin Tankman. Then we get to some interesting indie shows on Thursday night with ROW and WCPW Texas Showdown Day 1. Just the main event alone has me intrigued. Rob Van Dam, Booker T., and Ryan Davidson taking on Max Castellanos, Charlie Haas, and Clayton Bloodstone. Then you got AQA, who recently was on AEW television, taking on Kelsey Reagan. That should be a fun one as well. And then there's Control Your Narrative Awakening. We'll just move on. Joey Janela Spring Break Part 1. That is going to be insane. It'll be on Fight TV. But I think, obviously, the match I'm most looking forward to outside of the main event, John Moxley, AJ Gray for the GCW title, is Mickey James versus Allie Catch. That is going to be a very fun women's title match. Or women's match. It's not a women's title match, excuse me. But still going to be pretty doggone good. Then we see no more than an hour after that show starts, you've got... The Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show at the Fairmont Hotel. 
Biff Busick versus Minoru Suzuki. That's going to be a, that's be fun as all get out. Mia Yim versus the former Ember Moon, now Athena. That's going to be wild. But the match I'm most looking forward to has to be Ace Austin, Black Taurus, Jonathan Gresham taking on Michael Oku, Ray Horace, and Laredo Kid. Should be a lot of fun. Onita is going to be there as well, along with the Rock and Roll Express and John Morrison. Yeah, GCW Planet Death. That'll be going down as well at 11.59 around midnight Thursday going into Friday. The only thing that I'm probably am a little more interested in is Sawyer Reg versus Brandon Kirk. That should be a lot of fun. JCW versus LA Fights. I think B-Boy versus Grim Reefer. If you love old school indies, B-Boy is your guy. So I'm intrigued to see how they're going to work that out. And that'll be on, again, Fight TV, part of the collective bundle. Then Texas Showdown, day two, 11 a.m. You got Charlie Haas taking on Tim Storm for the SWE Heavyweight Championship in a steel cage. Should be a fun one right there. You also got Gino Bedina versus Chava Guerrero Jr. in kind of probably a co-main event. Type outfit. Zicky Dice's Trouble in Paradise Part 2. Match I'm most looking forward to has to be the Scotty Tuati versus Rich Swan match. That's going to be a lot of fun. Masha Slamovich versus Bear. Intriguing enough. Then we go to MLW Azteca Underground, and this show is insane. And this is going to be a six man tag match. I'm intrigued by is Mads Kruger. Take, and Richard Holiday and King Muertes take it on Hammerstone and the Von Eriks. Flamita Bandito is going to be another banger. Those two can just go at it at any given time. L.A. Park versus Jacob Fatu in Azteca Apocalypto. Just because it's going to be insane and hard-hitting. And Jacob Fatu is one of those guys in the indies that needs a lot more love and deserves it. Go out of your way. Go check that out. JCW for the culture. Again, this is part of the collective. Rich Swan, JTG. You also have the Impact Knockout World Championship on the line. Tasha Steeles versus Big Swole. Those two matches alone are worth the price of admission. Hitmaker, Hit Row versus Shane Taylor Promotions. Another one. I got to say, that's one of the shows that I think I might want to be catching live somehow, some way. It is so damn good. Zello Pro doesn't have a whole lot super intriguing. I think Simon Goss, Davey Richards could be a fun little match. Chelsea Green versus Rachel Elring is interesting. And then we get to New Japan Pro Wrestling Lone Star Shootout. Chris Dickens and Tomohiro Ishii going to be hard-hitting and fun. Blake Christian versus Jonah I'm intrigued by. Killer Cross in his first match with New Japan. Strong Minoru Suzuki. That's going to be a hidden gem I think as much of a person I'm not a huge fan of Killer Cross but he's going to have a really good match with Suzuki Guava Mania 2 cover all bases will be going down at 7 o'clock on Friday and it's a lot of indie guys this is if you love future guys this is something you need to go check out I think Bucky Collins Gary J could be a fun little co-main event match Texas style wrestling. They've got unfoolish business. And again, these are for the most part, 
big name guys. I think Alex Arsenal, Damian six six six. Haas holding is scheduled to fight Ricardo Rodriguez, the former ring announcer and manager for Alberto Del Rio, but he's currently in rehab, so he'll be probably pulled from that card. Super card of honor twenty twenty two gonna be going down. You got to go Briscoe's FDR and Bandito Jonathan Gresham. Hell, the, the entire card overall looks really cool. And it's also going to be interesting to see how the new look ROH, since Tony Khan bought the company, how that's going to look and what the future could hold for that brand. Jay Lethal, Lee Moriarty is going to be fun. Alex Zane versus Swerve. That entire card is going to be a lot of fun. And it'll also just be interesting in general to see how it all works out. Gringo Loco has a show as well. I think I'm more interested in the Pagano versus Sadika. You'll be seeing Gringo Loco fight a few times all throughout this weekend. That should be fun. AR Fox Ninja Mac. That's going to be a like, guaranteed banger right there. You've got SmackDown that Friday. WrestleMania SmackDown, excuse me. And we kind of keep going here. We've got No Peace Underground, New Fear, Siri, New, New Fear City, Murder Mania, Pero versus Taya Valkyrie for the No Peace Underground Championship. Gonna be a fun main event. Hoodfoot versus Masada should be. Whew, I'll just go ahead and say that much. Martinez Entertainment Lucha Leyendas. Not necessarily a whole lot of huge matches that got you intrigued. Extreme Tiger and Crazy Boy versus Drago and Aerostar could be cool. Late Friday night, you got Impact Wrestling's multiverse of matches, and the entire card is insane with Diana Prazo Open Challenge. Chris Saban versus Jay White, Eddie Edwards versus Tomohiro Ishii, the ultimate X match. Me and Harry Broadhurst, as you mentioned, we talked about that earlier. That's going to be fun. Josh Alexander and Jonah versus Moose and PCO. A mixed tag match between Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona versus Mickey James and Nick Aldis. That's going to be while the Briscoes and the Good Brothers should be just a, a drunken brawl mess. And honestly, I love it. Then we get to part two of Joey Janela's spring break. Not long after that, only match I'm really outright looking forward to is going to be Biff Busick versus Tony Deppin. We still need Minoru Suzuki versus Orange Cassidy. Give it to us, you cowards. Then they got the midnight show, which doesn't have anything yet. And that is going to be the Impact Provincial Wrestling Federation, the old school show. They haven't announced anything for that show yet, but that is always Going to be an entertaining one, to say the least. NXT Stand and Deliver, we talked about that. The Sherry Martell Women's Classic as part of a combination of WCPW World Class Pro Wrestling and Reality of Wrestling. Strictly in terms of first round matches, I think AQA versus Rachel Rose should be a lot of fun. Jordan Blue, Heather Monroe, going to be intriguing to say the least. <laughs> Then we get to WrestleCon, USA versus the world. And this is going to be a fun show to see who comes out as kind of that match of the night from this one. Davey Richards versus Mike Bailey, I think is going to speedball. That's going to be a hidden gem. Workhorseman versus Bandito and Ray Oris, also a good one. Then Effie's got a show at 11 a.m. day of WrestleMania. Effie's Big Gay Brunch, that in and of itself is going to be crazy. Alex Alley Catch versus Dango. One of Fandango's last matches before he retires. Maxi and Paler versus Edith Surreal. And Effie versus Pimpinella 
Escalata. That should be a insane match. I'd say go ch- check that out if you can. Then we get to Texas Mania 3, River City Wrestling. This is, again, pretty light. I think Tom Latimer, the former Tom Latimer, the former Bram versus Sledge, could be intriguing. Turning Point Turmoil Roughhouse, Lafayette's own Roddy Mag, Damon McCullough. If you're out there, go and check it out. It's going to be a Turning Point Beer in Bedford. Fort Worth's going to have sore pro wrestling's show go down. Bo Bodine versus Ryzen should be pretty fun because Ryzen's been making a lot of na- name for himself. Dante Smiley versus Josh Woods could be fun. Mission Pro Wrestling, bangers only. And this should be a banger of a show. Thunder Rosa versus Trisha Dora. I think that's going to be your match of the night on that show. Then we get to Texas Mania 3. I think Gino Medina versus Matt Cardona could be a lot of fun. You've got the Bandito versus ASF. ASF is a damn good wrestler. Can't wait to see those two go at it. Then Texas Media 3, Hybrid Media 2. Jimmy Wang Yang, Jazz Yang, Miss Michelle versus Brandon Weiss, Matty Rinkowski, and Key Vibes. Could be a lot of fun. Steve Miggs versus Levi Shapiro for the Wrestling With Regret YouTube Championship. Going to be interesting to see how that works out. Unsanctioned Pro has their mulligan event. Billy Sarks versus Christian Robinson is probably the match I'm most looking forward to out of that. Hoodfoot is also booked for it. Still going to be really crazy. Then we get to a late show while WrestleMania is going on with Lucha Maniacs, Black Torus versus ACH. That's going to be fun, clashing of styles. Texas Mania 3, Inspire Pro. Looking at that card, Davey Richards versus Great Scott kind of stands out the most. New Texas Pro, Cowboys from Hell. You've got Brian Keith taking on Josh Alexander for the Texas Pro Wrestling Championship. That's probably going to be a little fun. ASF versus Chris Bay. Going to be wild. Then we get to Sunday, Black Label Pro, Norm. Jake something versus PCO. That'll probably be a match that everybody remembers for a lot of different reasons. It's going to be nuts to butts from the jump. DFW All Pro Women's Wrestling. Billy Starks versus Ray Chanel should be a lot of fun. Then we get to, there's about one or two more shows left that I'm really interested in. And I think one of those, it's right after WrestleMania. VIP Wrestling, Minoru Suzuki versus Barrett Brown, Shane Taylor versus Loki, Ninja Mac versus Matt Cross. That like that show as the final kind of match of Mania Weekend, and it's not going to be on Fight TV or anything. So if you are out there right now and debating which shows to go to, that's probably one I'd say as soon as the main event of Mania Night Two is over. Get your ass over there because that's probably to be one of the best shows. VIP Wrestling puts on some amazing shows by all accounts from what I've heard of that promotion. They definitely put out some great shows. And definitely to a certain extent, they feel like a marks with money promotion, but they do a great job putting it together. It doesn't feel like they're just doing it because they can. They do it because they want to. And it feels apropos to wrap up the Cajun Strong Style podcast, the most stupendous wrestling podcast and the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time going to be going down 
this Sunday and Saturday. So weird still to think about a two-day WrestleMania, and this one is bringing the heat all the way through in my mind. So to talk about that and so much more, we've got to bring on good friend of the program, none other than Alan Magal. We're bringing him out for his once-a-year conversation. Obviously, WrestleMania is the most wonderful time of the year, so it's great to have this man on the podcast once again, the most hype, the most stupendous host in the history of the game, 103.7 Lafayette and now 104.1 Lake Charles. A guy, Alan Michael, wasn't part of that era, but he's still part of the one of those prosperous eras in the 10-year wow. history of the game. Stupendous to be here, Clint. Stupendous to be on in Lake Charles now. Wow, we, you've made it. Congrats. We finally, We finally made it, man. Finally decided to branch out a little bit further. Sadly, this show not simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 out on that LUS fiber, but it's great taking to over to taking over one territory at, the, at a time. I know how you all roll down there. That's how it goes. Smart. Exactly. Eventually, we'll be like the WWE and take over the entire doggone world. But before we get into the actual card itself, I feel like going a little bit old school Jordy Holtberg with you, Ooh. and that's going hot topics. Hotty toppies. One of the biggest hotty toppies in all the world right now has to be the situation with Will Smith and Chris Rock last night at the Oscars. So I'm going to have you power rank these four slaps. You've got Brandy Rhodes on Dynamite a few weeks ago to Dan Lambert. Stephanie McMahon, anytime that she would do that, because she would slap everybody, and there was some real like chutzpah to it. Then you have Will Smith, Chris Rock from last night. It will throw in the all-timer, Jerry Lawler slapping Andy Kaufman on David Letterman. And that's exactly what I thought of when I saw Will Smith slap Chris Rock, too. Was I, 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 that has to be Andy Kaufman and not Will Smith. No way. But of, of, these, of these four you're asking me to rank, I, I forgot about Brandy slapping American top teams, Dan Lambert. So that that you reminded me. So that's obviously four. If I didn't even remember it, Stephanie McMahon's three, although her slap is more of like a disgusting Mike Tyson right hook. It is violent. Hardly oh, yeah. she, a slap. Very, she'd win some slap tournaments. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you could have Ric Flair and Pete Davidson do the commentary. I'd watch it. Number two, I'll give Will Smith and Chris Rock. And then uh, number one, obviously, all timer. Uh, the King and Andy Kaufman, and then all of them as slappers, I say, are very good. But the number one of all time is the King of Slap Nuts, Jeff Jarrett. That's J E double F J A double R E double T. You got to put the ha ha in there. Ha WrestleMania. I love it. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. WrestleMania weekend. No, no, stupendous. Stupendous. The most stupendous WrestleMania weekend of all time. And, you know, before we get into that, we talk about the entire situation with Will Smith and Chris Rock. I think we got to talk about putting on our tinfoil hats, going into some black helicopters here, breaking out another old school segment. Was this a work or was it a shoot? Black helicopters were swirling in my head when I saw it. There was no way this was an actual thing that happened. And wasn't planned. And then the, as the night goes on, I'm just thinking to myself, maybe this is a real and I'm getting worked, but I'm, I'm now subscribing. I think it all actually happened because why would Will Smith give that rambling and in, near insane 
Antonio Brown-esque speech. He was pontificating. It was wild to watch. Um, Also, Chris Rock no-sold it. So uh, if Chris Rock shows up with a neck brace at his next public appearance, I'm going to call it a work. But for now, I'm, I'm, I'm buying in. Shoot. Oh, no, he's a student of the business, man. He absolutely this is absolutely to me a work. He's a student of the business. He was out back in the day at a TNA show filming head of state. So he knows a little <laughs> bit the ins and outs of being a carny there. Yeah. Like the fact that you had him like when he got slapped, he even he looked, looked like he smiled a little bit. It was a bad slap uh, if it was real. It, 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 oh, exactly. It, it looked like Will Smith, like almost even slapped his own chest to give it a little extra sound. Like, oh, exactly. That- Slap, slap the leg. Yeah, that was that was like not. I don't know. It's but then of course the reaction from Will Smith from his seat. Like why would he? That was nuts. Screaming like that caught on. I saw the Japanese and the Australian version uncensored and very 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 intense and hard to watch. Oh, it was my wild. goodness. If it's true, Hollywood's doing pro wrestling better than uh, WWE right now. I'll say. And if that's the case, then I mean, who's to say WWE's not trying to foot the bill and have those two be a main event of WrestleMania with all the celebrities they have for 38? They're in Los Angeles next year. Who's to say 39 could be the year where we get the true celebrity death match edition of Mania? I mean, I don't know if by then this this feud will have the juice one year in advance. This isn't like Rock Cena where you could book yeah. it a year in advance. I, people will forget. They'll remember the Oscars moment, but they're not going to be invested in this. We need a bigger celeb on celeb match next year if that's going to happen. I'm thinking like something that could be built up even further, maybe like Kanye and Pete Davidson. That's, <laughs> no, if you, you really want to put butts in seats in that really expensive stadium in L.A. Oh, SoFi Stadium next year. But this year you're in Jerry's world where you've been once before. In fact, it was six years ago with the great WrestleMania 32 show all the way around. Fantastic stuff. But I think this is going to be even more stupendous over in Jerry's world. So let's get right into it. And starting off, we talk about celebrities. One celebrity stands out above the rest. That is without a doubt, Logan Paul and the A-lister, the Miz in a tag team match against the Mysterios. That should very, that could be a really good opener to get the crowd warmed up and more importantly, get as much heat as possible on one Logan Paul, even though I think that's pretty easy to pull off, but who comes out on top here? Do we see the Mysterios lose again? Cause they've been on a bit of a losing streak and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Dominic's getting tired of carrying dear old dad. <laughs> and we could see a feud between those two, not too far down the line. They always lose Clint. The Mysterios never win. They won the tag titles briefly <laughs> they always lose and i don't see logan paul coming into wrestlemania to take an l with with i don't know he feels i feel like he's an egomaniac he would not say yes to doing a job unless he's a huge fan of ray mysterio which could be true yeah it's tough is it this is this a saturday are you giving me them these matches in order is this a saturday event yeah this is gonna like, be we're, we're gonna we're gonna start saturday april 2nd they're start changing it up and no, move on like, can't we'll, keep track We'll move on down the line, but it'll be all night one here in this first chunk. Well, we'll when I say it's night two, I'll tell you when it's night two. Okay. But I think this one, I, I would love to see Miz and I Logan like it Paul. I like the first match. I like it. I, I think it fits really well in that spot. I think Rey Mysterio can carry Logan Paul. It's a really solid match. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if Dominic Mysterio eventually does get tired of losing so much. And maybe Rey Mysterio can live out his adulthood dream of being able to actually beat his kid and get away with it. Because after all, he did have, <laughs> like, you remember that tweet he had, I believe when he was the cover star of WWE 13 and basically said, I can't wait to play this game and beat my kid. I, he's he definitely wants to legally put the boots to his own son. I feel like I feel like that. Dom said some things on TV. Dom, you're looking at me and you're saying that, man. You can't be saying that. I'm ready. <laughs> but I don't I don't know. They've also kind of set the table here for Logan Paul to maybe turn on the Miz with all the stuff the Miz was saying about Cleveland while Logan Paul was still uh, showing love to the mistake by the lake. I'm going to say the Mysterios win, though. There's no way I'm rooting for the Miz. And I'm going to pick the Mysterios and Logan Paul to maybe even join them and help them out. We do we even know his reaction to um, Ray's mask getting stolen. That's going to be later tonight on Raw. I can't wait. To that's, yeah, of course, we're taping this before Monday Night Raw gets started. And speaking of that, we got some major developments on, as you mentioned to me before we got started taping on the new WWE.com. And that is Seth freaking Rollins officially has a match at WrestleMania after having a long conversation with the one and only Vincent Kennedy McMahon, basically saying, why do you have to jump all through, through all those hoops? You could have just asked him for a match and it's Seth freaking Rollins. His opponent will not be announced until the night of it's gotta be Cody Rhodes, right? That's what everyone's chanting at the arenas every week when Seth Rollins comes out and, uh, I don't know. I despise Seth Rollins to my core. Am I going to be happy to see Cody Rhodes leave AEW to come to WWE to beat up Seth Rollins? I'm intrigued. I like a mystery opponent as much as the next guy, but Cody and Seth, why? And then what? I, the intriguing part of this isn't the actual match then. If it yeah. is Cody, the exciting part is the night after on Raw when Vince McMahon or somebody explains why Cody Rhodes was brought to WWE and why he had to face Seth Rollins. I hope it's not Cody Rhodes just because that's what everyone's expecting. I hope it's someone who will squash, destroy Seth Rollins violently. So I'm rooting for the Necro Butcher or it to be, uh, I don't know, someone uh, someone really cool like from ECW, like Sandman. But I'm just now, I guess, considered an old guy when it comes to wrestling fans, if or, that's my wish. Or... Could we see the return of EC3 coming back to control his narrative one more oh. time? And we see him and Titan come back to the WWE for one match to destroy Seth Rollins and further control their narrative. Well, no, I th we'll have a better idea after Friday because there's also a mystery opponent for one of the Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor matches. You got to keep an eye out on, too. Who knows? EC3 could be in that one. You don't know. It's tough exactly. call. These, these kind of question mark silhouette uh, figures on the on the graphic match graphics are tough to call cody rhodes is where the money's at though for this and if it happens i'm sure it'll be a great match but i'm most excited for raw the night after with the explanation it's gonna be a lot of fun and hopefully you know we get to see somebody great maybe even bringing back stardust for one night only oh. that'd be that'd be fun and after all that was the last wrestlemania stardust was a part of at Mania 32, rocking the polka dots. So there's something to be said of that being a distinct possibility. But let's go to a match we know is going to go down, and that is Drew McIntyre taking on Happy Corbin. Yes. All right, first off, what are your thoughts on Happy Corbin and Matt Cap Moss? Uh, they're the most annoying 
jerks in, on television. I can't wait to see Happy Corbin get injured, hopefully stabbed with that giant uh, Claymore, <laughs> that Angela. weapon, which is definitely legal in Texas, which I'm excited for. To, WrestleMania, Texas, uh, bring your own weapons. Drew McIntyre, bring in Angela, and hopefully we'll uh, cut off Happy Corbin's head or at least make him sad Corbin again because he was fun when he was just a sad sack. Bill Dotrieff type character. Now he's really annoying and I can't stand him. Although his Snickers commercial with Madcap Moss, I will give it to him. is pretty damn good. Better commercial. Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, Snickers or Shinsuke Nakamura, Rick Boogs in the Toyota Tundra. Oh, that's a tough one because that one's so it's so beautiful to see the friendship develop. I'm going to say I'm going to say, yeah, Boogs and Nakamura. It's great. I'm falling in love with them both all over again. Oh, you have to fall in love every time you see Rick Boogs out there. The dude just gets it and it's amazing because you think about it like he was many years ago eric bugenhagen on nxt had a couple spots in there then just disappeared for a while greatest he had the greatest debut in nxt yes. history and then was vanished but at least now he's on the wrestlemania card Rick but, but I, I know we're talking about the other match still but that that smackdown tag team title match is oh man i'm it's my top three matches i can't wait for Oh, it's going to be so darn good to see the Usos taking on Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs, or as I call them, a really buff Freddie Mercury. These two are just going to go at it. I think it's going to be a really fun match. I'd probably go with the Usos taking the win here, but I couldn't be surprised that the best friends of the WWE in Boogs and Nakamura could get the win and pull off a huge upset on the show of shows. You you cannot book this match and not have Nakamura and Rick Boogs take the titles. The crowd will go eight crap. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah. They're going to go batshit crazy when Boogs holds that title up and they party all night and they freaking rock out. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see the how many gorilla presses he gets Jimmy and Jay up in. I think he's going to stack them and lift them up. I got Drop them to the mat and we'll see a Nakamura Kinshasa for the one, two, three. I cannot freaking wait for this entire show to go down. That's going to be a lot of fun. Another match on night one. We'll stick with the tag team matches. Feels like night one is a lot of Teddy Long booking this. Holla, 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 player. With a lot of tag team matches. No Undertaker on the card, but he's in the Hall of Fame, so I'm sure he's going to be showing up on night one. Can I can I can I uh set this match up then like Teddy Long? Can I get can I let everyone know who's in the match? Yeah, go ahead. Teddy Long stuff. We got this the raw tag team championship. No, no, that, that's night two. I'm talking about oh, night one. Oh, we have With, another tag match on night one. The women's yeah. tag match. No, that's night two. Oh, that's night two. How are we supposed to keep track, WWE? The new WWE.com doesn't even have what night each match is on, Clint. I don't know where you're getting your information. The good old Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is never wrong, Alan Magle. But I think this one is going to be a fun one to watch. I wish it could have been a six-man tag team match, but it's not the case. King Woods and Kofi Kingston taking on Sheamus and Ridge Holland with Butch, which I hate. I hate the fact that they call him Butch. Peter Dune. You mean Peter Peter Dune. Pete Dunn. Rest in peace, Pete Dunn. Long live Butch. This is so so weird seeing him dressed up like a newspaper boy walking behind <laughs> Seamus. Yeah, I don't. This is this is uh too soon. I, why? I mean, the he, Ridge Holland broke Biggie's neck and Probably in his career. Yeah, obviously, we're going to be rooting for the new day here, but it's like, I don't know. It's too fresh. Uh, and um, I don't know. It's 
it's weird because it has like a real legitimate backstory that may should get you invested, but I just kind of don't want to see it. I just want them to go take care of Big E. I'm so sad. Oh, I'm, I'm so sad. This, watching this match will just make me sad and feel bad about Big E, but I know he's going to be recovering and he's keeping everybody up to date. And he's like the coolest guy ever. So get well soon from all of us here at Brain Buster Radio and down in Lafayette, Big E. Exactly. We got to support the man himself in Big E. I know he's a former Iowa Hawkeye, but thankfully I was not. The Iowa Hawkeyes aren't, aren't in Davenport or else they'd be hated. Right, Alan? Oh yeah, I would, I would, dude. I mean, I think Rollins is actually a Iowa fan, but he can he can go to hell. Biggie's all right with me though. Kofi Kingston and Kingwood's gonna smash on Sheamus and Ridge Holland, and then we'll see what that paper boy does, the newsy Butch. Um, but we're, we're we're gonna be singing and dancing, I think. And the cool thing is, Kingwood's doesn't have to get Stone Cold stunnered this year in Texas. Thank God. We'll last get to, time we'll get to Stone Cold in a minute, but we'll get to. The two women's championship matches, both on night one, which I thought was an interesting little wrinkle there. We'll start off with the Raw Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Do we see Belair become the women's champion for the second time in her career and complete the redemption arc from what happened at SummerSlam when she lost like 23 seconds? Or does the man continue her never-ending reign of dominance? Oh, yeah. Becky Lynch is going down here. This is there's no surprises. That's the only way you're going to beat Bianca Belair. Unless you're Charlotte Flair, you have no chance. I think if you're a women's wrestler in, in 2022, she's the best, most physically gifted not and really proven to be, uh, I, I mean, a cut above everybody when it comes to uh, ring IQ. There's just no chance here for Becky Lynch to win. She's already pulled out all of her all the stops. She's used all of her tools. She's run out. Time's run out on Becky. And now we'll. I can't wait to see, though, what she does next. Losing the championship, what will her redemption look like? Or will there be one? Will she just go home? Well, I don't know. I have no idea what happens to Becky Lynch, but I know what happens with Bianca Belair. She holds that title, and she carries it with grace, style, and goes down as one of the greatest of all time because I can't believe my eyes every time I see her. She's out there. She's amazing. Yep, and after Bianca Belair wins that, you can watch Belair only on Peacock oh, right after so Mania. Yes, really good uh, symb- symbiosis there. The the simpatico, the Peacock ads you could do with Bianca Belair there. Well, at the what? same time, I wouldn't be surprised if, because depending on what tier you have of Peacock, you could be getting a commercial for oh. Belair on Peacock following Bianca Belair winning the title. Uh, that's that's true, and I definitely encourage everybody to not pay for the full Peacock. I used to do that. It's really that not that much better, and you don't get that many ads with the ads the ad tier. Just a quick tip to everybody: they're gouging people, Clinton. It's not that great of a service. But no, it's not. Moving on, we have that other women's championship, right? That we had to talk the about. Other women's oh. championship match: Charlotte Flair taking on Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Can the queen can the queen overcome Ronda Rousey this Saturday? Of course, of course, Charlotte Flair is going to beat Ronda Rousey. She's going to embarrass her. It's going to be uh, tremendous for everybody involved. Uh, We're going to get to see Charlotte Flair go out there and just show that her legacy is bigger than Ronda Rousey's. And that's what this is. It's a legacy measuring contest for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And, I, and I'm, I'm putting all my money on Charlotte Flair, and it's great. She's going to 
be triumphant, although it's not the last match I hear on Saturday night, which is bogus. The main event should be Charlotte Flair. She's the biggest star on night one. But well, it's it's going to be the main event of night one, but it's not going to be the last segment of oh, the show. Gotcha. The last segment has to be Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens on the KO show. No broken skull. Maybe some broken skull IPAs lying around over there in the deep in the heart of Texas. Broken skull American lager, which is what this whole match is being built around, right? His new beer. Exactly. Be His new beer, which I which I, I don't drink, but you cannot get it in Louisiana. Yeah, I, I don't I haven't I don't drink too many beers these days, Clint. I'm very fancy man drinking my wines and my <laughs> my rise. But if I get my hands on an American lager from the Broken Skull Ranch, I'll let you know how it tastes. I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. That could be a whole thing on BBR, how that thing tastes. But do you think we see yes. a full-blown brawl, or do we just see it be Stone Cold Stunner go home in the show? <sighs> it's this segment. How, how can they make it interesting for, I don't know, the people who grew up watching Stone Cold, and this just feels like Another run-of-the-mill Stone Cold appearance. They're saying Stone Cold's back in the ring. What, is this going to turn into a match? An impromptu match? Kind of like how The Rock had with Eric Rowan back at 32. I think that'd Dallas. be the only way you can do it. That's the way to do it, I guess, is make it turn that KO show. It becomes a match, and it ends quickly. Other than that, yeah, it just seems like just your, your run-of-the-mill Stone Cold comes and beats up and stuns one of the new guys, newer guys, and... uh and then everybody goes home happy, which is fine for a lot of people. But if you're selling this thing like it's his big return to the ring, I'm not buying it because they didn't do that. And Kevin Owens, I really feel he's not a liar. He's He called it out. Really lame segment that they shot with Stone Cold on the road, pulling up on his little four-wheeler, talking trash to a camera in the middle of nowhere. Not that that just doesn't feel like Stone Cold to me at all. Did it to you? It didn't, it didn't feel ass kicker-esque. Is that what Stone Cold used to do? Cut promos from his home, his palatial estate? Come on. What do you mean? That that was what he did for a good chunk of his time whenever he got dropped on that stack of dimes. He calls a neck. He got dropped on that stack of dimes by one heart. Then they sent him home. He was out there shooting deer with a bow and arrow. <laughs> That's what he was doing, Sean. You got to believe that. he's It's Stone Cold to a T. Well, I hope. What, do you, what more do you want him to do? I want him to raise hell. I don't see how any hell being raised. There is no hell uh, in sight to be raised. And if it's raised, I'll be happy. But right now, I'm 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 feeling Kevin Owens in this and how he's approached it. I can't wait to see where his career goes from here. Getting to end a WrestleMania show with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who the hell would have thought he would be put in that spot? Just a few years ago when he was in Orlando crying after Vince McMahon told him, I'm disappointed in you after his match with Chris Jericho. So this is going to be uh, fascinating to watch. It's a great way to end a Texas WrestleMania night one. But that frees up Sunday, the big cock fest. No women in sight. Sunday, Sunday, WrestleMania. Well, well there are some women, Alan Magle. Let's oh, not forget okay. about the fact that you have a fatal four-way tag team match for the women's tag team championship in night two with the unstable duo of Queen Zelina and Carmella taking on Sasha Banks and Naomi 
Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, Natalia and Shayna Baszler, the Iconics, uh, the Glamazon and, and Natalia. Like they're gonna have like fifty different tag teams by the time we're done previewing this show. I can't wait to see who else they add to the match. Um, it's really hard to gauge. It's really hard to predict a fatal four-way tag team match for the women's championships. So when in doubt, I bet on Naomi, and that's who I'm going with, Sasha Banks and, and Naomi to make people feel the glow. Although she's, she never can never trust the boss. That's what I'm worried about there. Uh, Natalia Shayna Baszler is a very dangerous team, but just feel like Natalia's snake bit in these big moments. So here, let's look for hopefully some really fun, exciting spots, show stealers, something like Queen Zelina flying off the top rope onto like nine people or something that's never been seen before. Give me Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan winning the women's tag team titles, and maybe eventually they can get rid of the damn thing because it feels like it's just a never-ending kind of mishmash of all the people who aren't involved in the women's title picture. It's uh, it's become you know, just a, uh, another way. And ex- it feels like an excuse to put uh, women's wrestling on TV instead of actually just giving us, you know, good one-on-one women's wrestling matches, which they could, they have enough talent. They have enough people on the roster. These tag team championships kind of just clump everybody into these big mess of a match. Not too exciting to see. I think there aren't really any stakes, uh, but the tag titles, I don't say get rid of them because when they first came around, they were doing it all right, and they were putting together some exciting tag team titles. But then again, you know, you get rid of your best tag team and let them go to impact. What are you going to do, Clint? Exactly. You kind of let them go. But we'll kind of keep the conversation going about night two of WrestleMania. It's all men the rest of the way. And we go ahead and go from a fatal four-way tag team match that could be car crash TV to somebody that's world famous for car crash TV in Johnny Knoxville in a WWE ring at WrestleMania. If I had that on my bingo card at the start of 2022, I would not have believed that to be a thing. But lo and behold, we have him taking on Sami Zayn in an anything goes match. Everybody's favorite jackass taking on the king of conspiracies, Sami Zayn. Besides the biggest WrestleMania match ever, this is the best put together feud of any feud at WrestleMania. Yep, it's, mul- it's multiple months old. It's been it's been built up. There's been a lot of fun skits and back and forth. And Johnny Knoxville is money. He always delivers. Doesn't matter what you ask him to do. He's going to give full effort. I do fear for his safety because he's been in so many crashes and insane stunts going into a wrestling ring with a guy whose move is a kick to the head. Woo-hoo! Very dangerous for him, but. I can't wait to see what he has up his sleeve. And I'm hoping at the end we get to see uh, Preston and Wee Man squash Sami Zayn and give Johnny Knoxville an assist. I'm hoping there's a lot of interference since it's anything goes. And we see a lot of the jackass crew in this because I love them all. And then Bam Margera comes in and calls Johnny Knoxville by hitting <laughs> him in the back with a skateboard. And set, and set it up for WrestleMania 39 in L.A. All right, I'm down for that. Okay. I'd love it. And now we get to probably my favorite, my the match I'm most looking forward to out of the main, uh, outside the main event of night two. It's Pat McAfee, the pride of Plum, Pennsylvania, taking on the one and only Austin Theory. This is going to be a ton of fun and seeing the man himself, a rookie of the year in 2020 putting back on the boots and wrestling Austin theory. What should be a hell of a match? 
Yeah, this is really uh, funny to me because it's a celebrity match, t- kind of, because now Pat McAfee is a bona fide member of WWE, but he is an outsider or came from the outside. But now the feud and like the build of this is kind of uninteresting and awkward to me. But you, the exciting thing here is Pat McAfee in the ring. What we've seen of him in the ring was great. It's awesome. He's a great athlete. And now he's going to be in there with maybe the best athlete in WWE these days, Austin Theory. I think we could see some fireworks and uh, some show-stealing maneuvers off the top rope, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, of course, everyone in the world rooting for Pat McAfee. Um, this, is, this is cool, again, because now we get to see afterwards what happens with Vince McMahon and what are the stakes and why is Vince McMahon setting this up? I, I just want to know everything behind it. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to hearing about the why as well. And hopefully we see Pat McAfee come away with a big win. Another match I think I'm looking forward to has to be Edge versus AJ Styles. First off, before we get into the actual match conversation, what do you think about Edge's new theme? Oh, it's kick-ass. Oh, it's so kick-ass. Blasting it nonstop. Cannot, I cannot wait for that entrance. That's definitely my second most anticipated entrance at WrestleMania, of course, behind the big dog, but edge AJ styles. This is the really the only classic showdown WrestleMania match on the card for both nights. It's just two of the greatest wrestlers two of the best wrestlers in the world going one-on-one in a non-title. It's going to, it's going to be obviously five-star worthy, and everybody's anticipating it. It's two guys who've have they ever touched? They've never touched. And that's never what WrestleMania touched. is all about. Guys getting together who've never touched on the big stage. And I'm going for AJ all the way, of course. And USA. This, this could be one of the matches of the weekend, not just WrestleMania, but I think all of Wrestling Wild, because as you know, as we all know, the wrestling world is descending upon Dallas, Texas. I wouldn't be surprised if the phenomenal one does indeed get the win and, and avoid feeling the judgment of Edge, the former Rated-R superstar. And now we're going to get to the penultimate match on this two-night card. It's so big, it needs stupendous. two stupendous nights. So the most stupendous penultimate match. Plenty of $5 words being thrown around here. A triple threat tag team match for the Raw Tag Team titles. RK Bro, the Street Profits, and Alpha Academy squaring off. Who comes away with it? Street Profits, you and Alpha Academy are going to face the Bro and Randy Orton player. Holla, holla, holla. So many tag teams. This is great, though. This is a rematch of that amazing Roth triple threat match they had a few weeks ago, correct? That's that match was so good. I feel like that there was probably something else planned and they said, screw it. Let's just do this again on the WrestleMania stage. And I'm all for it. I watched that match on raw. One of the best Monday night raw matches we've seen in a long time. And I mean, come on, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for really the most underrated talents on all of the, the cards or all the, all the rosters with raw smacked on NXT Chad Gable the Street Profits, or most mostly Tez, Mont- Montez, and then of, and of course Riddle. Like those three guys are the they're the best. They're the best things going. I think WWE outside, of course, the Big Dog. So they're all in one match, and this is just amazing to me. Very excited for this, and I just cannot wait for everybody to shoosh and enjoy it. 
and they're going to shoosh. And I think there's a good chance where we could maybe see Gable Stevenson help out Alpha Academy. And we see those Gable and Otis be alongside one of the hottest free agents in pro wrestling and Gable Stevenson make his debut should, for the Raw roster. Should I steal your gimmick here, Clinton? Correct you. It's Gable Steve son. Stevenson. Okay. Stevenson. He's hit the two time, two time NCAA champion, recently retired, undefeated. Him joining Alpha Academy makes sense. Does it happen? And on this stage, would people even understand what's going on in the crowd? A WrestleMania crowd? Would you do that? I think that's more of a night after on Raw thing. I think possibly. they would. I think they would do it during WrestleMania. You yeah. have you have Gable Stevenson out there. I guarantee you that'd be a fun way to kind of put together one of the most stupendous co-main events in WrestleMania history. And now we get to not just the most stupendous, but in my mind, the most important WrestleMania match in the history of the show of shows, 38 of them. None of them match the hype and the intensity of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Winner takes all, and they unified the championships at WrestleMania, which they should have done back in 2014. But then again, this is a perfect time to drop this one and make this a phenomenal main event of the most stupendous WrestleMania. And in my mind, to a certain extent, the most important WrestleMania. Uh, it is. When you say winner take all, think of the future. In the future, that means there's one championship. That means from this moment, the, the whole entire WWE changes forever. Yep. It's totally, totally different. One champion, and he's coming out of this match, and it's either Brock Lesnar and more likely the big dog. Acadiana, acknowledge me as I tell you why Roman Reigns will win this match. He is the greatest universal champion of all time. He has Paul Heyman in his corner. Brock Lesnar no longer has that. He has the Usos in his corner. He's going to have, I think, more people rooting for him in this building than he had in New Orleans, Clint. Very important thing to note. Yep. Roman Reigns has triple, quadruple maybe, the amount of fans he had going into their previous WrestleMania match. So I think more than ever, Roman Reigns has more support than he's ever had going against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, which he's done before, but never with this much support, this much acknowledgement, and the stars are lining up for him to be the first ever undisputed WWE Universal Champion. If that's what they're going with, that's going to be kind of lame. Just call him the WWE Champion and get rid of that Universal tag, but we'll see what they do. Roman Reigns is winning it, and I'm going to say this match is going to be uh, a little longer than their uh, than their WrestleMania th was it 35 four 34, 34 encounter in New Orleans. I think the, the match time will go a little longer. They both have bigger gas tanks, and I think it's going to be uh, probably a guillotine choke to do it for Roman Reigns is my prediction. No, would, sorry, that's a spoiler. I would love to see that Roman Reigns retaining the universal title and unifying both of these, which brings me to another question that I've been thinking about for a while. Do we see Roman Reigns passing Bruno for the longest title reign in WWE history? Well, didn't Bruno hold it for like 11 years? Wasn't it like it was ridiculously It long. was like 2,000 days. Oh, I just don't see how that, that is. How close is Roman to that now? That's I mean, he's I almost mean, a, 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 I feel like he could hold that thing 
into Mania 39. So he could have it by that time. And he's almost a thousand. I'd say he's like, he'd be at like seven, 800 by that point. I think he's capable, but I just don't see WWE leaving the belt on just one person like that for that long these days. They've got too many. They got to try too hard to make stars using the belt. You know, that's just not going to happen in modern pro wrestling. Sorry. I would, I would love it though. Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno's uh, title reign. It's not, no one's coming close. <laughs> I love it, Alan. And it's definitely going to be a stupendous WrestleMania two night spectacular. And that's going to about do it for the most stupendous WrestleMania preview podcast. Spectacular episode 85 is in the books. Alan Magel, thank you so much for coming on my good brother. Hey, it's been a stupendous pleasure of mine, Clint. Thanks for having me on. Just let me let everyone know. Also, Brain Buster Radio will be having another spectacular, stupendous WrestleMania spectacular coming at you this weekend. So keep an eye out on that, on all your favorite podcast gimmicks. And I miss y'all all down there. I love yins. And one day I'll be back down there. We'll have a parade. It'll be stupendous, Clint. It'll be stupendous. And more importantly, Alan, it's just always fun to talk to you. We were talking about black helicopters, hottie toppies. We couldn't afford to get Lindsey Buckingham on the podcast. Maybe next year. He's definitely likely to perform at SoFi Stadium in L.A. for WrestleMania 39. He needs to perform America the Beautiful. I think that's where we're at in that. I, th- I think it'll be booked, uh, of course, alongside Will Smith versus Chris Rock, Kanye, Pete Davidson, and whatever other like actual wrestlers get put on the card. But who cares about any of that, right? Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. We'll be back with you next week with the WrestleMania Review Podcast. Maybe NXT, NXT TakeOver staying in the liver. If I can find some time to watch that. That's at 12 o'clock on a Saturday. Come on now. We got to get disgrace. this doing. We got to get this done. We're out of time, as Tony Giovanni would say. So enjoy the wrestling. Be back with you next week. <laughs>